Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Benvenido para el último podcast de Colo. That was supposed <laughs> to be Portuguese, but it sounded more Italian. I don't really know why that happened. Uh, apologies to the Portuguese-speaking world. Um, so that would be Portugal. Um, Brazil. Brazil. Uh, and anybody else that we've forgotten well, to miss. Probably someone in South America, <laughs> you, you, would, you would assume. There's got to be at least one, isn't there, that we're, we're missing out on there. Um, that was Welcome to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is <laughs> the ever faithful turning up on nights when he's not even supposed to be on, <laughs> Sean Gray. Yeah, a little bit of miscommunication there. <laughs> yes. We're everything, if not professional. <laughs> I need to start checking the time when Sean messages me and realise that when it says 22 hours ago and he says tomorrow, that doesn't mean... <laughs> that, meant, that meant today, not tomorrow. <clears throat> Never mind. No harm, no fault. We we power on with a double header this evening. So, indeed, yes, we have two races to cover due to uh, various bits and pieces. Just the two two races, one after the other, and in the week in between, just everybody was incredibly busy and off around bits of the, the country, possibly recovering from uh, hangovers from um, spending time up in. The uh, I was going to say the nether regions, but that would be the south, really, wouldn't it? Uh, in Glasgow, anyway, um, both Sean and I attended a recent insane championship wrestling event at the Barrowlands in Glasgow, which we uh, had much merriment at. Um, yep. Take what I, you Sorry, then, carry on. I was just going to say, I couldn't feel my legs the next day, so standing so up for seven hours. You should have said we uh, spent a couple of days in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> there were bits of it that felt like that. There were bits, Some of it felt like the 1880s when I went and visit to, visited my friend Tony in Carstairs, to be fair. Yeah, it was excellent, but we uh, power on back to the back to the F1 where the, the real excitement's at. <laughs> well, indeed. We'll, we'll <laughs> try. Tang a little bit in cheek there regarding Austin, perhaps. A, a but. tiny little bit, yes. Um, so let's start with the... Um, okay, I can never remember. Is this the Grand Prix of the Americas? Is that's what, that's what that's this what one's called, isn't it? That's what they call it, but it's essentially Weird. just... It's the Texas Austin Grand Prix for all intents and purposes. Everybody calls it Austin, don't they? That's, there you go. Um, so, yes, the Grand Prix of the Americas... Uh, in Texas, where they do it bigger and better, um, except maybe this time because uh, there were four teams missing from the back of the grid. Um, so, in fact, in Texas, they, um, sometimes they do it smaller um, and with, <laughs> with a little bit less. Um, it's a good circuit. It's a good circuit, though. So I, w I went in with a, a positive frame of mind. I thought we were going to be on for a decent weekend, despite the the absence of the, the Caterham and the Marisha side. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was optimistic going into Quali. Uh, that we were going to be having a good one. It was going to be... I thought the interesting... The, obviously, the interesting thing there was that I thought that maybe on qualifying they might might do a bit more, given that the track would be slightly freer. Uh, and then, Yeah, but I wasn't sure how they were going to work it. But they ended up... Was it... Did they do four, te four people getting knocked out? Is that right? Uh, no, they. I think they just did two, didn't they? So, or one... So only one person went out in Q1. I think that's how it works. I'm sure that's how they... Uh, I, think, I think they did two. No, sorry. I'm talking rubbish. Did not do four. I think they did four and four. And yeah, 
One, yeah. two, three, four. Sure, that's what they did. One, two, four. Yeah. Because there's 18 cars. We're down to 18 starters now. So I think they did four and then four and then um, 10, obviously, in the shootout. But the interesting thing is, obviously, before you were guaranteed guaranteed to lose four cars out of the six before. But now with this format, you're losing four, but it could be any four, really, at the end of the day. It could be absolutely anybody with, you know... Not likely to see a Mercedes there without um, <laughs> some in serious trouble, but it could pretty much be anybody. Like You wouldn't be surprised to see a Ferrari accidentally get stuck down there or a McLaren if it didn't go their way, or even a Red Bull. So I yeah. thought you know, it, was, well, it, was, it was different anyway. It was an interesting change to qualifying. Um, but we had a, a pretty predictable grid, didn't we, with uh, the Mercedes locking out the front row, Nico... Uh, <laughs> getting the job done on the one lap faster than Lewis. Bottas uh, beating Massa for third and fourth. And then Danny Rick being sort of best of the rest in fifth, followed by the, the Ferraris and the McLarens and the and the rest of the stragglers. So, I, I guess I the mean, only real talking point of quality was um, the continued downward spiral of Force India, really, and languishing in 12th and 13th, um, just ahead of uh, the Toro Rossos, really. <coughs> Not much to be said for a team that said that they were fighting for with McLaren for the end of the season, yep. and that certainly seems it's done. It's like you pointed out uh, weeks, months, months back even, that McLaren are the bigger team, they're the bigger budgets, and they're going to develop their car all the way through the season. And for Cindy, I've gotten to that point where they just don't have the resources to keep going anymore, and, and it's showing drastically in their, in their performance in the second half of the season. So, uh, you know, five points for, for Andrew there for calling that one spot on. Uh, that's exactly what's happened. They've not been able to keep up with the bigger teams despite starting like a train on fire at the, the start of the season. And if the rumours are to be believed that they're under pressure financially along with the Lotuses and the Sarbers, then then that's kind of understandable, I suppose. I mean, it's getting to the point where really anybody outside the big four or five could be in some sort of financial... Not peril, that's probably a strong word, but it's certainly a little bit complications. So you can hardly blame Force India for for what's happened to them in the second half of the season, I don't no. think. No, I think I think you're I think you're right. It's just it, uh, along with everything I'm sure we'll talk about later on, <clears throat> it just appears to be the way Formula One is working at the moment. Yeah. Another way that Formula One appears to be working at the moment is that um the First two cars finishing any race are going to be Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg in one formation or another. Um, and that was indeed how this race finished. Nico, yeah. what is, what, what's wrong with Nico that he can't keep, you know, he just can't convert these pole positions. He's I mean, massively out-qualified Lewis this season, realistically. But yet Lewis is winning the races. So what's... He admitted it himself after the Grand Prix. He was he was just overtaken by by the better man on the day, and that's that's motor racing. I think Lewis Hamilton is one of the best drivers in the world, and and so is Rosberg to be fair. But Lewis is probably better, and he's just he's just beating him fair and square. Nico can't have any complaints this weekend. He, he was two or three seconds up after the first stint, and Lewis came out and he 
he nailed it and he nailed the overtake and then he kept himself a comfortable distance in front that that um that Nico couldn't put any pressure on him. He was just beaten by the better man and unfortunately for someone like me who'd quite like to see Nico win the world title, it is what it is, unfortunately. For uh, Lewis Lewis is very, very, very good. Simple as that. I think he, he one thing of note is the um Martin mentioned on commentary that that Lewis took a tweak of front wing on uh during the first round of pit stops and that's what was giving him the extra pace. So that's interesting. Maybe Nico didn't uh didn't pick up on that or, or Lewis Lewis had uh I don't know, could feel that he needed he needed that more than Nico to get the extra few tenths a lap, I don't know, but Nico can have no complaints this weekend. He was beaten by the better man. I think Nico mentioned um, after the race saying that um, the way he went about his racing wasn't um, wasn't optimal. The way he used the tyres and, and and set up in the way that he thought he would be able to catch Lewis later on in the race just just didn't happen. Um, and I guess that these things can happen. It's you know when you're when you're talking about two guys in the same machinery, you know pretty much. Um, Talent-wise, you know, I think you mentioned it. Lewis is probably on spec a little bit better than Nico, but it's not a massive golfing class or anything along those lines. It's going to be simple little decisions that probably decide races. It's you know, um, going uh, uh, you know, skipping a chicane in one race and flat spotting your tires, yep. or um, you know, pushing too hard during your qualifying. So you have to start from the back and can only make it up to second because you know that's just the way it works. Tiny little decisions can you know come back and ultimately haunt you. It's uh... like you said. There's that much. There's that little between them, given that the car they're both driving is the same and the the relative talent of the two guys. That yeah, it's it's tiny little things. It's going to be tenths. It's going to be even smaller distance, smaller time gaps than that that, that decide it and. Lewis was just that little bit ballsier and got the overtake done, and and that's fair play. Uh, he did. Lewis would thoroughly deserve to win the race. Uh, Nico will be disappointed with his performance, but I don't think he can have any complaints. No, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, like you say, it's it, it, he's not being beaten by somebody in different machinery or in, in some way that he can look at and go. Oh well, I should have beaten him because I was in the Merck and Lewis is in a Red Bull or a Williams or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just going to be one of those things. Um, so what? yeah, yeah, no complaints. I don't think one of the two has got to win. Yes, barring mechanical difficulties, <laughs> and and sometimes Lewis is going to be dialed into the track and have the fu- just just be, you know, getting it, getting the race pace, just just enjoying the circuit. And then sometimes, as we'll talk about in Brazil, Nico or or um, whatever other races, Nico's had it just dialed in and, and that's it that's formula one you know you're gonna have tracks that you just that you just get and i think Lewis just kind of got austin as soon as he came out after his second stint he was just on it and he was just very quick and and i think that did Lewis have a good result there the year before I can't uh remember. I can't yeah remember. he won it the year before didn't he did he win it the year before so he's clearly, was the first one wasn't it was it the first one last I year second i think i think we've had three so uh, maybe vettel won it last year then I can't remember now. 100%. Lewis, so. I thought Lewis won the first one. I could be wrong. No, no, wait, no, because he won it in a... Find out for me, Sean. Google. 
Quickly, quick fingers. <laughs> yep, I'm on it. So uh, the year before, so 2013 was uh, Sebastian. Uh, okay, uh, cool. Rather, <laughs> rather predictive, that... predictably. Because, <laughs> man, he had, he had that big run. Uh, uh, at the end. Of, at the end of the year. But Lewis won the... Um, I knew Lewis won one of them. Was he... Did Lewis win all? was he in a McLaren then? Must have been, because he was only Mercedes last year, wasn't he? Yeah, Lewis won it in a McLaren Mercedes in the in right. the inaugural Austin one. So yeah, That's so he fine. clearly likes the track. Uh, Nico's never had a, I don't think, a podium there until this year. So uh, possibly 2013, but without it, no, he didn't. Uh, so yeah, um, Lewis just like Lewis, obviously just liked the track better and, and and was quicker on the day. So fair enough. So third place man. Um... The, the ever-revolving lottery of uh, who's going to join the Mercedes on the top step. Um, was Daniel Ricciardo, again, um, we can't be surprised. He nope. seems to be able to pull out these kind of results whilst his teammate is generally struggling. And on the tracks where Red Bull uh, are good, um, are the ones that you kind of see Sebastian doing better at. But the ones <clears throat> where it seems where maybe the car isn't necessarily the greatest... Daniel still manages to pull out these kind of amazing results. I mean, he's 25 seconds off um, Nico, but at the end of the day, he's ahead of both the Williamses. And yeah, that's a result. You know, you're not saying that every week. You know, it's now, it's now. Can anybody get in front of the Williams to to challenge for the other the other place? And he's he's doing it consistently. So, um, fair play to the boy. Fourth and fifth, obviously for for Williams. That's is that a bad weekend for them still? Are we now saying if one of them doesn't get third, that's you know pretty much crap, or do they just have to accept, uh, accept that the Williams package is good but not good enough to guarantee them third? I mean, it obviously hasn't. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm making something out of nothing that you know Williams should be very happy when they get third, and if they don't, but they're in and around it and ahead of a lot of other cars, then just be happy. It's a difficult one because cause from where they've come, you know, you think of the dark days of the last three or four <laughs> seasons. Still yeah. like, getting consistent points finishes has to be considered a success. But, you know, I, you're dis- especially given that they qualified third and fourth, so they did have the pace. I think they will be a bit disappointed, yeah, because they qualified ahead of Ricardo, but Ricardo put a couple of moves on them. Ricardo mm-hmm. looked pretty punchy. He was going up the inside into that good first corner and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think they will be a little bit disappointed there, yeah. Especially Bottas, because he came, um, he qualified third and ended up finishing fifth. So, I suppose any time you go backwards, you're not going to be too happy. No, no. I suppose, I suppose, I suppose, in that sense, that's that's absolutely correct, isn't it? Yeah, you shouldn't, you can't be happy if you finish lower than where you qualified. So, yeah. um, okay. Uh, the evergreen Fernando Alonso uh, pulling his Ferrari into sixth, uh, ninety-five seconds. Behind, uh, <laughs> Le- oh dear, behind God, Lewis. That's not. Yeah, that's nearly a lap down. Not yeah. fun. Um, Sebastian, uh, after to be fair, driving. Yeah, we talk about Vettel, yeah, because driving from the back after not qualifying because he had to change his engine and so he started. Did he start from the pit lane in the end? Didn't yeah, he? I think he started from the pit lane, but then he did a weird thing as because we had a. As I'm sure we'll talk to. We had a, we'll, we'll talk about the crash in the first corner in a moment, but under the safety car in the first corner incident he came in and he pitted he started on the mediums 
So obviously looking to to go a long stint um, because he was out of position, thinking everybody else in the top 10 will be on the soft tyre. So we'll start on the harder tyre and, and see what we can do. But then because of the safety car, he came in, strapped on a pair of soft tyres, and then came in immediately again and strapped on a pair of the mediums. So he dis- he, he hated the soft tyre so much that he just did one lap under the safety car on it and got it away, which was, you know, a very sort of curious strategy indeed. And, you know, Brundle in the commentary box and Crofty, etc., were saying, oh, he's surely not going to try and get to the end. <laughs> he can't possibly... I mean, it was the safety car was first lap, so it's, he's going to do the whole race, essentially, on the one set of tyres. I, mean, I know we've seen Nico do that in Russia, but I think Russia was a special incident. Mm. You know, that was a, a, a very curious tyre wear track. So there was no chance in hell that Vettel was going to do this. But the interesting thing was, yeah, sure, he didn't manage to do the, the what would effectively have been a one-stopper. He did have to come in and late on and, and strap a new set of boots on. But I just I just gave him I just gave him a bit of interest, you know, watching him see what he did, see how the strategy unfolded. And in the end he put on the newer tires when everybody else was on older tires towards the end. And and then it kinda of worked out for him, I guess, because he didn't seem to have an awful lot of pace, but he was able to pass a few of the 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 stragglers, so to speak, the the lotuses and the uh a couple of the McLarens and whatever, just because he had the um the newer tires towards the end, so so I guess it worked out in the end for him, despite him bitching on the radio all race about not having <laughs> any pace. So seventh place from from where he started in the pit lane. That's yeah, you got to be, result. especially yeah. in this Definitely. season's Red Bull. You know, he's, he's only behind. <clears throat> only, who's who's he? Who's he behind? The Williams is and the Mercedes. He's never going to beat. He's only mm-hmm. behind Ricardo, who's Ricardo has had a great season and has been beating him, and then Fernando Alonso, who's Fernando Alonso. So. He's not going to get any higher up than that. He's he's got the he's extracted the most that he's going to get pretty much. So and and he was only um point five seconds behind Fernando anyway. So you know another lap or two and maybe you know um maybe it would have been a different story. Maybe he would have he'd have crept up into that sixth place. So yeah, uh, a good drive from Sebastian showing that um yeah as um as even us as detractors of Sebastian somewhat. Uh, you know, have have recognised pretty much the whole time is that the guy, the guy's a driver. You know, he can put on moves when he needs to. Yep. Um, so rounding off the top ten, then um, Kevin Mahugnison, um who seemed to be having an interesting day with the guy who finished in ninth, Jean Eric Verne. Um, I don't know what Verne just seems to have become, Mister. I'm just going to drive my car into the side of you a little bit and let's see what happens um he knows he's not going to get a drive next year i think so he's probably just like yeah. fuck it there's just a, a mentality of you know well he wherever. did it he did it to magnuson in sochi didn't he and he ran all the way around the outside and then just sort of yeah. came across uh, he looked ballsy didn't he yeah and uh he kind of did it again here um i guess we should talk about our 10th place finisher um the much lamented <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pastor well Maldonado scoring, scoring Lotus's his first point of the season. Fair play to the guy. I guess that probably justifies his 20 million. I don't think it's Lotus's first point. I think Roman's got a point. Is he? Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, it's definitely Maldonado's first point of the season. Well, so, you know, well done, Pastor. You've just, got one point. Justifying the uh, $100 million he's cost them in uh, front noses. A point um, helped out by the crash at the start of the race, which we should talk about briefly before we move on. Yes. Uh, involving poor Adrian Sutel, who qualified in the top 10 for the first time all season. Sauber have been woeful. One of the worst seasons for Sauber, I can remember, in 15 to 20 years of them being in the sport. 
And uh, poor Sattel, first corner, shunted into the side by Sergio Perez, who was absolutely 100% at fault. Oh, <laughs> It was a, a slam dunk, absolute slam dunk. I don't know what he was doing. It was just, you know, he had that in his first season. But he's, he, it sort and of it, crept uh, back in. As, yeah. as the, the uh, Force India's gotten worse, so has he. He seems to be attempting to try and try too hard to get these kind of moves done and early on and try and get ahead knowing that the only thing that Force India has got that it appears to be slightly kinder on its tyres than some of the other cars. So that's that seems to be the hallmark of his driving at the moment, whereas, you know, um, <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg seems to be doing the opposite in that he's just not trying at <laughs> all uh, to do anything. <laughs> he's not hitting anybody. He's not passing anybody. He's just trundling along the track. Um, so, yeah, very, very strange. Yeah, um, Perez's fault. But yeah. he, he, he clattered into the back of Kimi Raikkonen, didn't he, really? Yeah, and Raikkonen just carried on. <laughs> Ain't nothing bothering that, man. He just no, like, man. I'm just carrying on with my day. <laughs> That's true. But Perez got his, um, he got his, uh, his wrists scalped for it, and they picked up a penalty for Brazil, I think. So, yep. Uh, no complaints there. I don't think he can have... No, um, let's just round off the results then. So uh, Roman Grosjean, 11th. Jensen Button, sadly, in 12th, stuck behind Roman Grosjean for a long time. Um, Kimi Räikkönen, even worse, in 13th. Um, Esteban Gutierrez in the Sauber. And Danny Kvyat finishing off uh, in the Toro Russell. Yep. Button just didn't get... I think the, the way his strategy worked out, he ended up just stuck, didn't he? And he just they tried and it didn't get, work, get did passed it? Out, yeah, so. These things happen. These yep. things happen. Um, so, star of the race? Uh, it's got to be Lewis. He was started, from not starting on pole, to to put the pressure on Nico, to make the move, to have the better pace to pull away. It's got to be Lewis. Uh, I'm going to give it to Danny Rick, because uh, I think it's quite impressive for him to start behind the Williamses and then finish in front of them. Fair enough. Can't argue. Can't argue. Uh, because we always do it, uh, retard of the race? Uh, Perez for his first corner. I think that's, that's a slam dunk. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a uh, star of the race as well. Probably got a, a mention for Vettel as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, that's... He's crack and drive to get in the points from, from the pit lane. So. That's fair. That is fair. So, uh, from one of the newest tracks in Formula 1, we go to one of the oldest. Absolutely. In, um, I nearly said Abu Dhabi then. <laughs> that's because <laughs> I'm looking at the race, <laughs> the list of races. Um, but sorry, so this is Brazil. A much better track than Abu Dhabi, certainly, in my oh. opinion. I love yeah, Interlagos. Nice. I've always loved Interlagos. It's an excellent circuit. Love the... the, uh, the it's left-handed, isn't it? Which is always interesting. And then you've got the excellent first corner. And that the, the uphill climb into yeah, the, yeah. the big uh, left-hander is... Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty memorable. Excellent uh, track. Usually good races as well because you've always got curious weather. Threat of rain. So. You can't uh, can't do better than a, a track that's always got a threat of rain regardless of what the uh, the weather appears to be going. Although we didn't get any this weekend, rather, unfortunately. Uh, Might have made it a little bit more interesting than we did. But. Well, yeah, it was it was probably one of the more, more boring Brazilian Grand Prix that yeah. there's been. and it and, But it was still it was still fairly interesting. We, we just... If Formula One has a problem this season, it's that the races um, are sort of split into three. It's the first 20, 25 laps seem to be all out, everything happens, and then you slow down for another 25, 30 laps where everybody thing is just waiting for the next the next sort of set of pit stops or whatever, 
And then you get to the last bit of the race, which then starts to be more exciting again. And it's just that bit in the middle that they need to... Something... I don't know how you do it. I don't know what you're doing. That's probably a, a discussion you know for an entire do? podcast. I think it's a discussion that we've already had. Uh, <laughs> refueling, I think, is the answer. True. But... Yes, you'd, you'd give people a different option, wouldn't you, than... Um... I mean, you'd stick a Yarno Truly on pole position with one lap of fuel in it and stuff like that. That's, that used to be dead exciting. You know, you'd have people qualifying on no fuel practically and coming in pit stops right away or you'd have people fueling up for 35 laps and getting getting David Coulthard stuck behind Enrico Bernaldi around Monaco and stuff like that you know you always got something different anyway it's a bit it's all a bit samey the strategy as soon as one person pits everybody just pits and that's it and then wait 20 laps and everybody will pit again so but we've had that conversation and I'm sure we'll have it again so <laughs> this is entirely true. Brazil qualifying. Um, uh, Nico, Nico nailed the, the has whole he, weekend. In has anybody done this? All th- all three practice sessions, quali and race. I'm sure it's been done this season by someone, either one of the marks. Couldn't pinpoint to you when, but it must have been, must have been done. Okay. I, I um, mean, I, I'm I, I'm just guessing, but. It seems like the kind of thing that would have been done by like Lewis around somewhere, possibly. I don't yeah, maybe, know. maybe. Anyway, uh, great, I think, I think great that, performance. I was just going to say, it, 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 in a way, it just pretty much summed up the whole weekend in terms of the Mercedes duel, really, wasn't it? That um, Nico just seemed to have that extra, you know, three or four tenths here and there that Lewis just couldn't kind of magic up, really. Setting me um, over the one lap, yeah, definitely, in the in the qualifying and the. Um, I think it was the, was it the middle sector that Nico was just consistently quicker than Lewis in. Yeah, Lewis was okay in the first sector, and then I don't know, I don't know whether Nico had set the car up slightly differently for the the sort of trickier, slower middle sector. He, he must have been doing something slightly different to Lewis, possibly just driving style or or setup. I don't know, but mm. whatever he was doing, he was able to consistently pull two to four tenths out. So the first and third sectors would be relatively even, maybe even have Lewis slightly quicker on a, on on any given occasion. And then in that middle sector, that's where Nico would end up every lap, just certainly in qualifying, two, maybe three tenths up. So he, he was nailing that middle sector. So yeah, so I'll, rewarded, I'll... rewarded with pole. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So the the qualifying was Rosberg Hamilton in front of uh, Massa and Bottas, uh, Felipe out qualifying Bottas at his home Grand Prix. Um, then came Jensen in a solid fifth place ahead of uh, Vettel in the Red Bull, uh, followed by Kevin Magnussen, Fernando Alonso, uh, Paul qualifying for Daniel Ricciardo, and then Kimi Raikkonen uh, sort of edging out the top 10 fight again. Um, the Force India of Nico Hulkenberg was in 12th, and obviously Sergio Perez was down in 17th, but he had uh, seven places to make up from. Um... Yep, him and uh, Fiat, had, uh, Fiat had some sort of engine engine uh, penalty as well so yes and then poor old adrian sutel who's just having none of the luck had to start from the pit lane because he yeah manisha was a bit coy about it she was just she wouldn't really say what it was but maybe they didn't they couldn't afford one yeah <laughs> so well had to go and steal one off the back me. of somebody else's <laughs> car <laughs> so yeah poor sutel starting from the pit lane so just never rains wet pores for the cyber team uh so to the race um Again, as we said before, it, it's going to be one of the Mercs, and this time it was it was Nico. Um, I'd have to say he looked really comfortable um, the whole race. 
There were a couple of points where Lewis was closing in, but he was always starting from far enough ahead that it seemed to me like he he, he felt he could allow Lewis to catch up that much and that almost by allowing Lewis to catch up that much, he knew that Lewis's tyres would be slightly worse than his. And it seemed to be, whenever they did the slow motion shots looking at the tyres, it always looked like Hamilton was chewing up and blistering his front, um, was it front right? Because it's yeah. left-handed, isn't it? Yeah. The front right was always worse than Nico's front right pretty much the whole race. Uh, and I think that's just kind of what it came down to, is that Nico could drive just more comfortably and, and look after himself a little bit better. Um yeah, I mean, he looked extremely comfortable in the first couple of stints, no doubt about it. The third stint, uh, Lewis obviously made his mistake, uh, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll come to. But Nico, um, I thought I was a little bit worried, and after that, after the in the final stint, that Lewis just looked a little bit quicker. But I think you're probably right. I think Nico was just just ha- keeping that bit in reserve, and, and it, it didn't matter that Lewis was five seconds behind, and then he got it into within two to one seconds because even even though he caught up in the clean air as Nico was, was managing the, the gap he didn't look like passing him at any moment no uh, it wasn't like he Nico was hanging on for dear life as Lewis was chucking them up the inside the way it has been sometimes this season mm-hmm. uh, Nico just he was able to just keep him in front and keep, keep him behind and, 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 and Lewis followed him home and I, I it didn't really look like that once Lewis had got even Lewis was even in the DRS zone, but he didn't he didn't look like making the move really. And I think it goes back to that middle sector. He would close up down the straight, uh, down the back straight, get quite close, and, and within a couple of tenths from the DRS and stuff. And then it would come to that middle sector, and, and Nico just drives away. He was two or three tenths quicker consistently. And then you know by that point Lewis then isn't in a position to attack coming round. The, the pit straight and into the first corner because he's lost time in the the middle straight. It's just one of those ones where it didn't look like anything was going to happen from maybe ten laps to go. Once Lewis had caught him, you, you never really felt like it was going to go anywhere. I've been watching Nico versus Lewis all this season, supporting Nico, and been a lot more worried when Lewis was on Nico's tail than I certainly was in Brazil. I didn't. I, I felt like it was. I was calm, and Nico was. I didn't expect Nico to give it away at that point, which is certainly good for him because he's been getting a lot of stick about his mentality and the pressure. And Lewis puts pressure on him; he makes mistakes. So, can only be good for his confidence, I guess, being able to prove that he can hold off. Uh, certainly, leading into this, you know, th- this interesting finishing race where um, they're so close, and there's the double points and all the permutations from it. I think it, it it's good for the title. Um, you know, I wish there wasn't double points to make it quite so open, but um, it's and good that it's close and that Nico isn't coming back, coming in kind of off the back of three or four second places and yeah. not looking like he's got a chance against Lewis. In principle, I disagree with double points strongly, but if if Nico wins, yeah, I'm not going to complain. So. <laughs> uh, so- but- that was the Mercedes race. It wasn't. It wasn't all that interesting, realistically. Yeah, I have to say it though. As Nick as comfortable as Nico was, Lewis might have might have got out in front if he hadn't made his mistake. I he suppose might, he might have got out in front. It would have been very very close. But I just did, get the feeling that Nico that... could have passed him. Uh, passed him. <laughs> passed him out and I did him. No, we um, <laughs> don't want to do that again. You think Nico could have turned up the wick if he had to? I think if he had to, he could have. Um, I mean, I guess I think, we'll never know, but 
I mean, but maybe. again, as, as, as had, the, had all the time in the practice and the qualifying, so you don't see why he couldn't. And uh, it, again, you know, it, it all evens itself out, doesn't it? Nico going deep into um, the corner in um, Russia, Sochi. Uh, no, that's not the one I was thinking of. Um, was one much earlier on. Uh, pass. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what oh, you mean. So I can't remember now. Was it Monza? Oh, the, uh, where he had to skirt around. Yeah, the, yeah, that's Monza. Yeah, flat spot his tires and stuff. Um, first runner at Monza. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, it evens itself out, doesn't it? All of those, all of these little mistakes. He he was asked. You know, Lewis was doing hammer time, and it didn't work out. He wasn't able to control the hammer. Hammer um, time is a buzzword that I am becoming a little bit sick of hearing, to yes. be honest. But um, I, I could <laughs> I could live for the rest of my F one, you know, fan viewing career without Not ever it. having to hear his engineer say, "All right then, Lewis, it's hammer time." It's just, <laughs> just like it wouldn't motivate me if I was Lewis. I'd be just like, "Really? Oh, I swore! God damn it! <laughs> I'm just trying so hard." <laughs> I Sorry. think it might be right about Nico, but I guess we'll never know. But he, like I say, I wasn't too worried. And then when Lewis made his mistake, it kind of looked all over. It's, it's, Lewis did catch up, but he had the the free track in front of him. And you would assume Nico's been told, oh, you've got seven seconds now because Lewis has made a mistake. So manage the tyres, especially on a track, which was, the tyre deck was so high this weekend. Oh, God. So high. I loved Some it though. Uh, me too. Me too. I mean, Martin was saying that Massa particularly campaigned for the softer tyres. So well done, Felipe, because it made it a little bit interesting. Without, I think if they took the harder compound, it been Pirelli, Pirelli initially wanted to take, it would have been a little bit less interesting. So, so props there for for Felipe leading a revolution uh, against the the tyre choice of Pirelli. Uh, it made it a bit more fun and. You would assume then that with that high deck, Nico's told Lewis has made a mistake, managed like hell at the tires. Mm-hmm. So, so that Lewis catches up. Obviously, he knows he's made a mistake, so he's going to be pushing. Even if the engineers say Lewis manage those tires, you know Lewis after making a mistake is going to be like a raging bull in the cockpit and just push, 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 push. And yeah, he caught up. Uh, but you would have to assume Nico had more of an if he needed it. And once he caught up, he didn't. Um, Lewis was unable to make any sort of pass on him at all. He didn't look like passing him. So, like in Austin, as we've covered, Lewis absolutely deserved it. I'm going to say this one. Nico deserved it. Swings and roundabouts. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Possibly result... uh, Let me... How's the way I put it? The result of the heart, um, or the, the happiest, the most joyful result of the season, perhaps, in seeing Felipe Massa... Score yep. uh, third place up on the podium. A few memories of 2008 of him running to the front of the podium and gesticulating to the crowd. Um, but boy, did he have an eventful race! Oh god, and the Williams <laughs> pit stops. What were they? I mean, I, could, I think I've got down here like four pit stop errors from the Williams team. Like, what the hell were they doing this weekend? But it, <laughs> stu- it started with him. I mean, he had a slow pit stop on his first pit stop anyway, but it was compounded by the fact that he sped in the pit lane, so was getting. He had five seconds on his his next, next one. pit stop, um, <laughs> and then on his third pit stop, managed to drive into the McLaren. Which I mean, he's not the first. 
I mean, Lewis did it and uh, someone else did it, but God, it's still funny. He's brilliant. <laughs> they just ushered him down the lane. <laughs> it was brilliant. The 20 McLaren guys just been like, go, what are you doing, man? Go. Get going, get going. If you watch the, the little bit after the races where they chat uh, just right before the podium where they take their helmets off and stuff, you heard Massa telling, um, I think, Rosberg, I, I went to McLaren, like, it was brilliant. That was my best Felipe impression. But, uh, yeah, he was telling Rosberg that of his mistake, and it was just brilliant. Like, he was smiling and laughing. Oh, I made a mistake here. That was hilarious. Yeah. I wish we caught him saying it to Lewis, because then Lewis could have said, yeah, I did that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really easy to do, isn't it? <laughs> this is brilliant. But, yeah, I'm so pleased for Massa. I love a Felipe Massa. And getting a podium in front of his home fans, all good. Uh, drove a, g- a good race in the end I guess to, to still put it on the podium given that he lost 5 seconds and then he lost another 5 seconds when he made the mistake with with the McLaren garage and just god it was all over the place so well done he also pitted really early because he was having high tyre dig so he was then on the back foot having had to come in really early it was, it was, was he going to have to hang on to his tyres his towards the end of the race so, so really <laughs> good to drive I guess but eventful so well done, Felipe. Uh, another result. In the yeah, back. absolutely. You know, you could not, you would not deny him that that podium for anything. Um, somebody else driving and proving a point, perhaps. Yep. Jensen Button for what a great race Jensen had. He just, you know, as much as Nico looked on it um, throughout the race, that's what Jensen looked like in in the McLaren. He just did not. You know what, what Jensen looked like to me? He looked like Alonso does in the Ferrari, where he kind of just finishes it two or three la- uh, two or three places above where it probably should finish. Yes. You know, like Magnussen was down in ninth, so like that McLaren probably deserved to be maybe a couple of places b- behind where Jensen finished it. But he just uh, the way Alonso does every week. Jensen just nailed it, and he got it, he got the job done excellently. I've got down here JB. Good drive. Well done, Jensen. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pleasure to watch him just um made a few moves and it he just he just always seemed to be uh, you know, again, with a high deg race, able to look after his tires and always be going fast at the right times so that he wasn't getting caught out by undercuts and, and what have you. Um and, and just yeah, just generally being a bit of a star. You know, to finish eight seconds off of Felipe Massa, and I know Felipe had all of the, the problems and, and bits and pieces, but that's a real, real good result for, for McLaren there, I think, um, in terms of being able to um, put together a race that really you know, worked perfectly from start to finish. Yep. Uh, fifth place was Sebastian Vettel, uh, Mercurial. Um, he had a, an event for us. He started uh, further down, I, I think. He didn't have the world's greatest qualifying. But he put on some really good moves and drove. It got the undercut uh, a couple of times um, to get ahead. You know, he was behind um, the likes of Raikkonen and Alonso. I think he qualified um, okay, but he just had a, t- a really bad oh, no, start. No, he had a bad start, didn't he? Yes. So he got it, passed by, you know, your, your, your Ferraris and your McLarens of this world. So he's on the back foot right away. Because he qualified in sixth. But he ended up by... Is- he ended up by Danny Ricardo, didn't he? And Ricardo started. Um, he was down. He had he had the bad he, qualifying. He was ninth. Yeah, he was ninth, didn't he? But he had a really good. He had a start that got him two or three places that then caught him up with, with That's Sebastian. Right, 
But it was one of those weird races when you've got such high tire deck that everybody's pitting just all the time, basically. Like, the some people who stay in out longer on a stint are pitting uh, as the first pit stops are guys are coming in for their second stop. It's so there's just always pits going on. It's really mad. The places because you had Hulkenberg up in like third and fourth at one point, even possibly leading the race at one point because he stayed out longer. You had guys doing long stints. No one really knew the best way to do it. So I think Vettel pitted quite early as well, which didn't help him and put him behind a few of the, you know, your 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 rivals for for those points positions. So like you say, an eventful race just. It was just it was just a bit of a chaotic one on such high tire dig. Mm. Um, here's a great talking point: sixth and seventh, Fernando Alonso oh, and Kimi Raikkonen. Yes, yes. Martin <laughs> was having a brilliant time on commentary watching this. He was absolutely just chuffed to bits to see Alonso not get the treatment from Ferrari anymore. Which, to be fair. As he rightly so called it in commentary, that that has that looks like the nail in the coffin, doesn't it? The fact that Alonso isn't it's it's not it's not the nail in the coffin to send him at the door, but it's it's confirmation that that the nail has already been, been yes. inserted into the coffin. That's that's I mean, when would you see Fernando Alonso not get the um the pass there? The usher through, no. But it was good fun to watch, and that was oh, that was the nicest. You know, uh, as much as I think we we both agreed when we talked about it, that team orders are a necessary evil in Formula One. You, you know, there's times when you just have to call it and say different strategies, different to, points yeah. in the championship, and all those bits and pieces. Uh, you know, and somebody has to make a decision one way or the other. Um, but when it doesn't matter, I, I love seeing it like this. And uh, and props to Kimi for keeping him behind for as long as he did, because Kimi was on. Dead there was about, the tires were about there was about seven or eight laps difference, which at Brazil, at Brazil this year was a massive. I mean, most of the people who started on qualify, you know, when they started on their qualifying tire, came in six or seven laps, you know, yeah. in, into the race. So, That's right. um, you know, it, it was a massive difference. But he really, you know, he showed. I, I think the problem is that Kimi's not been able to show any overtaking this year, but his defensive driving has been as good Still as it great. has been. He's always been good at that as well. So yeah, I mean he. He was one of the few that tried the strategy a bit differently and uh, and went long, and like you said, it ended up he was in he had track position. He was managed to get ahead of I think at one point he was probably ahead of Vettel as well. Vettel got through, and then he had um, Alonso behind him, and he, I don't the writing was on the wall. I don't think he was going to keep Fernando uh, behind for for the whole thing. But given that he qualified tenth and ended up finishing seventh behind Alonso. Probably that looks like a good effort from Kimi there, even though yeah. he could keep Fernando behind. We got a good battle out of it, and still got to say that's a decent result. So yeah, I think so. Given yeah. that, given the results they've had this season, <laughs> uh, and especially for Kimi, who's been yeah, tending to, to tra- trail in at the sort of tenth, ninth place. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a good a good day's work. I think you have to say the strategy worked out then, because he's finished ahead of uh, the likes of Magnussen, who outqualified him. So mm. yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Nico Hulkenberg managed to drag that Force India to eighth place. He's the other uh, one that did the, the completely the contra strategy, yeah. wasn't it? Re went really, really long first stint and then and then short second ones, um, which was I think if you were outside the top ten was the only way to go. You know, um, I couldn't understand why more people didn't. But um, yeah, Kimi. Uh, so Nico did a good job there because he was. Up, oh yeah, he he was up. You know. 
out of position because of the pit stops with then you had the Force India's coming uh, sorry, the Mercedes coming behind the Force India and having to pass him and stuff. So given that he's been relatively anonymous, as you mentioned before, um for the last whatever many weeks, a nice return to form. Yeah. Uh, after as it as Martin Brundle mentioned, seem to be driving a bit better now that he's been confirmed for Force India for next year. So um maybe that's maybe that's all it is. Um so that left Kevin Magnussen to pick up ninth place. Had a um, the start of his race was good, um, and he was doing okay after the first round of pit stops. After the third round of pit stops, I don't know what he did. Whether he overcooked his tires or just got caught in bad traffic, um, he just went backwards really. And that that's happened to McLaren a lot this season. So I'm not I'm not gonna draw any aspersions on him as a driver or any bits and pieces because you know that's happened to McLaren on multiple occasions where they've been seem to have a good first two thirds of the race. And then the last bit, they just drop right off the pace, uh, for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he finished in, you know, um, still only eight seconds behind Fernando Alonso in sixth. So he didn't drop. It's not like he'd lost t- tons and tons of time. I think he just got really buggered by pit stops and traffic. So it's just one of those things, I think. Yeah, know, I mean, come, I come, come out half a second further down the down the pit lane, you're ahead of two other people, and you know you get the best out of your tyres. Come out behind them, and you've got to overtake them and take life out of them. And I think that's probably probably what happened to him. Yeah, it was a bit like Massa's races last year in the Ferrari. Mm. I just didn't. Massa was having them every week, unfortunately for him, and it ultimately cost him his job. But he just one well, just didn't go his way. Uh, didn't quite work out. <laughs> Somebody else who definitely didn't have everything going uh, well, that way. This, what, I've got just written down here on my notes. Bottas, 10th, brackets, odd race. <laughs> <laughs> not even sure what happened to him. <laughs> had about six pit stop calamities in the Williams team. It was just remarkable. It just was yeah, it was not a, not a good day for Valtteri. <laughs> the, the first loose seatbelt strap I think I've seen for oh, a, yeah, a number yeah. of years. I can't, I mean... I, I can't remember the last time I seen one of those. It's a it's a oh, a very very long time. I do remember. I think it might have been David Coulthard in a McLaren. So you you know you're talking ninety, you know, anywhere between late nineties, early early t- anywhere 2000s. between ninety seven and two thousand and five. So yeah. So I, I'm sure I remember him coming in complaining that he his seatbelt was loose. Thing is, thing is about Williams. Williams made I think three or four different mistakes. Some of them uh, pit crew. Some of them. <laughs> Some of them driver, but Ferrari Ferrari had an, an issue in the pits as well where Kimi's jack wasn't working. Two races in a row, wasn't it? It was Alonso's yeah, so, last time, wasn't it? So this weekend was just full of pit lane mishaps. <laughs> One of those funny ones where it all came at once. Poor yeah. Bottas, though, because he clearly had the pace to come third, possibly challenger Massa, certainly mixing uh, it with JP. At least, so. at least ch- yeah, I, I think. And then Andy's got one solitary point for his odd race, so... <laughs> a funny old one again though like we said before you're gonna get them yeah especially when you're driving a car like which isn't the best car on the grid you know realistically so a wee bit of bad luck in third and you're gonna be ninth because everybody behind you is quite congested yeah so yeah yeah you you, if you take that extra pit stop you know 20 seconds between Felipe Massa in third and let's say um you know Actually, then, thirty seconds for a pit stop between Felipe and what Magnussen came in—that's exactly it. 
Do you know what I mean? And that's that's pretty much what he lost. Nico Lewis does that, and and they've probably got enough pace to still come second. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You're losing instead of losing one place, you're losing six or seven. So. Indeed. So, so, well, Terry. Yeah. Well, so running off the. Season, so <laughs> yeah, the, this is true. Uh, so running off the results: Kvyat at eleventh, Maldonado twelfth, uh, Jevin thirteenth, Gutierrez fourteenth, Sergio Perez fifteenth, and Adrian Sutil in sixteenth. Uh, Roman Grosjean stopped with some kind of engine trouble, I believe. Um, and Daddy Ricardo, his uh, front suspension broke. I have not seen that happen for a very long time. Um, one of the wishbones literally just came loose. Um, it's funny because when he pulled into the pits, they were all looking at the, the brake and stuff and they couldn't seem to work it out. And I swear they were about to send him out. And Ricardo was just going, no, no, it's broken. Don't, don't send me out. I'm, not, I'm really not going out. It's bust. I promise. <laughs> So, uh, star of the race then, Sean? Uh, that's a really difficult one. There's a few, isn't there, really, that you could I mean, probably Nick, get for? Nico could get it for his whole weekend, just being genuinely the man to beat all weekend, and, and at no point was he ever passed. He led literally from Friday morning till, till Sunday. So you could give it to him, but part of me wants to give it to Massa, part of me wants to give it to JB. Even Hulk had a good race. A really mm. difficult one. I've got it. You know what? Felipe's my guy. Going to give it to Massa. Especially for, um, you know, getting the penalty and speeding in the pit lane, but still managing to re- recover it back to third. I mean, even as I say that, I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to give it to someone who's made a mistake like speeding in the pit lane. I can't <laughs> decide. What are you thinking? I can't decide. Um, yeah, I have to go with my man, JB. Jensen. Jensen mm-hmm. to the button. Um, uh, as much as Felipe does absolutely deserve it, in a way, because he got third in Brazil and got to be on the podium, I think he can take that. And I think Jensen deserves it for just being as untouchable as you can be in a McLaren these days, I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's like I said, he compared him to Alonso. He got the absolute most out of that car. There was nothing more he could have done in that car, I don't think. Sounds like a, a dream team, doesn't it, Alonso and Button? Hmm. I'd like to see it. <laughs> I would honestly like to see it. I, I feel really bad about Magnussen, and I think I've always campaigned that young guys need to be given an opportunity. But I, I agree with what most of the pundits are saying. I think Jensen is still too good to let go off and play sports cars. So, uh, Retard of the race. Sadly, it's got to be probably... <laughs> what, Felipe for going Felipe <laughs> for driving just, into no, the I'm just pit. giving it to the whole Williams pit crew. Yes. What were they doing this weekend? The it whole was... team. These are all retarded. <laughs> They uh, mm. must have started on the uh, local booze a bit too uh, a bit too oh, early, I think. Massa, um, just the, the drivers, the mechanics. <laughs> Fuck, man, I don't know. Dear, dear. Um, excellent. The so ramifications. I was just going to say, this now leads us into the very final race of uh, of the season at Abu 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 Double. It's a goddamn bad track. Uh, it's terrible. What does it look like as well? It looks like a melted Tommy gun. That's what it looks like. Have a look. It, like one of the splurge guns from um, Bugsy yeah. Malone that's melted at the back end. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> look like much, does it? It's not very good. If you turned it upside down, it could maybe be some sort of boat. Yeah. that's. It almost <laughs> looks like it's two circuits, doesn't it? Like The left-hand side is some old race circuit and then the one on the right is like for motorbikes or something like that it's just bizarre it doesn't look like it fits together it's really really it's a fairly odd. designed track and um if it wasn't for the title being decided i probably wouldn't be looking forward to the race that much but no. as, as we've got 
Lewis, uh, 17 points clear, meaning uh, second place guarantees him the title. Third place for Lewis for a Nico win. Nico wins the title. Anything below second, Nico wins the title if he wins. And obviously if Lewis wins, he wins the title. DNF for Lewis, Nico can afford to come, I think, third and win the title. So, interesting stuff. Lewis has got all the cards, but it's Formula 1. All it takes is a puncture or an engine blow or something, and who knows what could happen. So, we'll be on the edge of our seats right up until the very last lap anyway, which I know... Funnel lap podcast. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, from that point of view, I am looking forward to it, but it will be slightly soured if double points causes a title If that's change. the only reason, do you know what I mean? It's... Uh, I will, I will be a bit. And the problem is, I is won't that... complain, but I mean, I will complain, but it's a difficult one. The problem is, is that seventeen, the seventeen points, is it seventeen points between them, isn't it? Yeah, is enough to make double points a non-issue? Does it? Well, Do you, you mean, mean that... you mean if it was, you mean if we didn't have double points, it would still go to the wire? See, that's that's what I mean. It's not yeah. like Nico is. 20, um, it'd need to be more than 25 26 points, behind, points yeah. behind him and therefore this race is meaningless it isn't meaningless it would have mattered anyway because there's every possibility that Lewis could have had a bad race get clonked get a puncture whatever and Nico win and he finish you know yeah. uh, outside of the points or, or, or with one or two points for whatever under the, reason under the old system Lewis could afford to have come sixth now he needs to come second to guarantee it so there's a difference right there it's four positions so that's what, but that's we all knew that getting into the start of the season. Yeah. Every driver knew it. it's the same for everybody. So we're just going to have to accept it. I think that's that's all it's going to be. Um, so other um, anything else? Any thoughts? What, what, uh, I think Red Bull secured second place in the uh, the constructors behind oh, the Williams. Did they? Oh well, that, that's, um... Brazil. So that's that. Um, but yeah, it's all it's all about the Mercs, isn't it? Everything else is just a sideshow. Well, it is really. There's no. You know, um, let's let's have a look at that. Let's um, where do you find the tables and bits and pieces? Uh, Danny Ricks secured um, third in the third in the um, championship. Oh, did he? Oh, well, that's good. I'm I'm happy about that. That's um, and uh, uh, there's a little bit of a battle on for fourth. Not that these guys will care about that. Vettel and Alonso only two points separating them, but I don't think any of them will be celebrating fourth position. And uh, Bottas is right in that fight as well, on a couple of points back. So, but not much, not much going on. I was just gonna say, do you know what? One hundred and six points for for Jensen to be only fifty behind Valtteri. That's a pretty. I think that's a pretty <laughs> good season. He's oh, also done it again. God damn it! They're worse than me. Oh, you, right. you, you'd have to say, as well. Buttons on double the points K mags on. That double, not 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 just you know ten fifteen. He's he is two times scored Magnussen. For every yeah. one point Magnussen scored this season, JB's doubled it. That's that tells its own story. Oh, well, I think so, and I think it. You know, as we as we'll talk about it, it's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but Button is ahead of Felipe Massa. That's that's a story in and of itself. How... Well, yeah, Massa's had some some some. <laughs> typically Felipe-esque races at times this season. That car, I mean, let's be honest, that car shouldn't be behind but should, behind Button in Championship. The car shouldn't. But Massa's Massa, and occasionally he'll he'll do a Massa and drive into the wrong garage and or something and lose 25 seconds. So. Or into the wrong person. And then yeah. 
and it's not so, his fault. Yeah, well, and that. So, yeah, I mean, what can we say about JB that there hasn't already been said? All the pundits are desperate for him to keep his drive. You can, it's abundantly clear. Crofty, Brundle, Kravitz, they're all, they're all pushing for him to... They all want him to stay. Even, I think, Alonso does as well, yeah. to be honest with you. I think... You know, I don't think Alonso has a fear of racing Jensen in Formula One. I don't I don't think he fears that somehow Jensen will have a relationship with McLaren that means that, you know, unlike how it was with Lewis, that Jensen will be ultimately favoured above him every yeah. single especially with the reporting that Alonso is signing the biggest contract that there's ever been in Formula One. Um I find that know. bad though. I find that yeah. mad. Yeah. Well a little bit there you go. Um, with all the financial stuff that's going on and McLaren haven't been anywhere near the team they have been um, for the last McLaren, five seasons I know, the... but to be putting such a, a, to put, putting such a big package I mean it's a statement of intent I suppose you can like it shows that they mean business but I mean if it goes pear shaped it'll go pear shaped well, in a big way so it's a risk but how much you wonder how much is Honda well and because they yeah. did that with Senna didn't they that was you know, Honda helped pay for Senna's. Uh, if Alonso goes to McLaren and starts kicking ass in a Honda-powered car, I'll be so so <laughs> so torn. Because I love Fernando with every fibre in my body, but if he starts winning in a McLaren, I don't know how I'll feel. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, see, I think I think you're right about Alonso. Though I think he would prefer Button than you know. He's went into McLaren last time with a young whippersnapper. And Lewis, maybe you'd prefer to have a bit of experience alongside him rather than another another kid. Plus, I kind of think that, you know, in a way, if you look at it, um, Button is great at developing a car. You, you you look at the seasons he's been with McLaren, how they've always been able to turn that car around. And he's, you know, he's an integral part of that. And I know Lewis was there at the same point as well. And, you know, I'm not denying Lewis's involvement in that. But, you know, Jensen has been around long enough to know, you know, how to help build a car. And yeah. I think if you, you know... You, your first season, that's what you want. And I don't see my the way I look at it, if you had Alonso and Button next season and then Alonso Magnuson the season after that and gave Kevin a year of test driving, you give him all the young driver tests, you let him do the odd free practice and bits and pieces where it's you know, when it's not vital. You can keep his eye you know, his his eye in, in terms of racing and stuff. But whilst still bringing the car forward as best as possible. And then <laughs> Fernando did that. Fernando drove for Minardi in 2001, took a year off and then signed for Renault in 2003 and won a race at the back end of 2003, I think. so. Well, uh, Roman Grosjean, you know, came into the yeah. sport, was shit. <laughs> oh, I've done it again! Oh. <laughs> I've got to note down the time of all of these so I can bleep them out later on. Hang on a minute. Uh, 106. Anyway, um, yeah, Roman Grosjean took a year out and came back and was a much better driver, um, generally. Um, I don't think it would be the worst thing uh, and like you said with Honda coming in for their very first season two experienced guys like Alonso and Button surely can only be a good thing I mean that's that's the way I'd look at it I, I, and Ron said he wants the two best drivers those are the two best drivers there I agree go. that's what we should get um, so what else has been going on then there's uh, been there's been lots <laughs> but I, I think for this for this podcast, let's otherwise we'll be here for the rest of the evening. The one thing we need to talk about is what is happening 
to the finances in Formula One that is causing teams to go out of business like, you know, Woolworths. <laughs> now, I know you and I have conflicting interests in terms of the back markers. I know you're not necessarily all that fussed about them. Um, no. And you feel that, you know, maybe it's been a bit of a waste of time bringing the new teams in because they've, they've never caught up and they don't really provide anything in terms of racing to the other cars. But the biggest way I can put it is I haven't noticed a damn thing different in two races since I've not been there. Pretty much. So that's it, really. And yeah, you might get one one race a year where one of them somehow squeaks a point, but I'm just not that fussed. That is what it is. <laughs> well, and, you know, I've, I've stated my case that you need... You need to have variety in the pit lane for the races to always be interesting. If we had uh, eighteen Red Bulls, eighteen Mercedes, um, you'd what you'd quit watching faster than um, you would be if you know Salber and Force India and all of that were as bad as Caterham and all, all the rest. And it, it, I, I don't doubt it, but I'd want Caterham and Marussia to be at least be able to mix it with the. The Cybers and the Force Indias, etc. It's the fact that there was, <clears throat> and there was that... such a gulf. In an ideal world, I'd have 13 teams of good quality, but there was just such a gulf there that that I haven't missed these particular teams. And the, if, two, the... if two new teams came in tomorrow that were able to not, not win races, but at least battle with Maldonado and battle with Satil, and and, and, and and consistently get out of Q1 at the very least and get into Q2, not necessarily getting Q3 all the time, but just be on par with the other two or three teams down there because it was like watching a lower formula at times with those other two teams, and that's not good. So there can't be that big a golf. Well, is, is this not what we're talking about here? That the, reason, the same reason that these teams go out of business is because um, the wealth inequality between the teams is so large that they still have to spend their 120 million a season or whatever it is to just run the car um you know excluding development and, and, and all of those bits and pieces just to be where they've been for the last four or five seasons um that there's no no team can do that unless you're you know you're bought by a red bull who can afford to chuck billions of dollars into a team and and just say you know get on with it and Bring, bring us back a winning car in five years. You know, these teams haven't been able to do that. They've had to try and, you know, sponsorship, pay drivers, all of those other bits and pieces. And we've yep. lost all of them because in the end, to try, to try and do what you're saying, to try and be part of, you know, having a car that is competitive, uh, just throws the teams to the wolves because... You have to spend about so you means, and and it really it really winds me up when I hear pundits and Bernie Eccleston say things like, "Well, don't spend without your means," and it's just like, "Well, if you made it cheaper to run Formula One to join Formula One, or you actually gave them, you know, a reasonable incentive to take part, then they wouldn't have to." But the, if they don't spend that money, then they fall outside the hundred and seven percent rule, and then they can't go racing anyway. And as soon as they miss three Grand Prix's, they lose their grid slot. So, <laughs> what's the 
what there isn't actually any choice. Bernie makes it sound like there's a choice, but there isn't one. Not at all. They have to do it. They have to spend that money and then hope beyond hope that they somehow come up with some magic discovery that no other team does and it propels them far enough up the grid that they can make enough money to sustain development going forward that sounds crazy to me that's like that's like asking every team that comes up from the championship that they must spend 200 million pounds their first season in the premiership on um average mid-table players just to, to be able to take part, just to be able to play the games. And that, God God forbid, if they lose, you know, um, if they can't afford to pay their players one week then or for three weeks, then they're, they're out of the, the league and, and they lose their spot. It's I mean, just... I know. I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, by the way. I just, on this particular case, I just I find it so difficult to bother. Um. But like ideologically, don't disagree with anything you're saying. And uh, you're right. I mean, we've we've said it hundreds of times. There needs to be some sort of uh, closing of the gap in terms of prize money and and funding that the teams get per annum from CVC. I don't think anybody would deny that. It's just. I don't know the solution in reality because I mean I don't know I, we we don't know the solution because Bernie doesn't know the solution. I don't think. Well, I think Bernie knows the solution. He just uh, or doesn't want to admit that he has to give up some of his money. Perhaps. Well, it's either that or Bernie actually can't do anything about it, and because of the way that CVC works and shareholders and all the other bits and pieces, maybe they can't. Maybe they've ended up in this thing that with. FOM owning all the all the rights to the, how they make money, and then people owning stakes in FOM essentially by being shareholders. There is now, you know, the the company that owns everything about how Formula One makes money is beholden to making the most amount of money it possibly can to make sure it's you know fulfilling all of its um, financial obligations as a trading company. And what ridiculousness is that? Do you know what I mean? You don't. You can't own the Premier League. You you can't own the. Um, you can't own Wimbledon. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, these I know. are sporting institutions that people, you know, they they make money and plow money back into itself. Sure, but they, you know, they do so for the good of the sport, it, to, to one degree or another. You know, even the Premier League is designed to help out the Premier League at least it helps itself even if it you know doesn't care about other football leagues or whatever Formula 1 seems to be the only business <laughs> that doesn't give a crap about whether it it's actually doing any good for itself or not and it's I mean, mad it's mad and then you've got the, and then it's governed by the FIA who can't do anything <laughs> it is it's absolutely chaos there's no doubt about it but I just can't I can't see anything changing anytime soon well Unless the whole thing um, literally falls to pieces and we end up with something other than Formula One, and, that, and that's the only way it will probably really change, at least in the long term. And three car teams? Uh, I hate it. I hate the concept. I think it's uh, a terrible idea. I know you do. 
<laughs> I've been saying it for about the last six weeks, so I'm sure you're sick and tired of hearing me say it. But um, yeah, from can, you, can you even from vaguely imagine the last six or seven races where it's been Nico or Lewis, and at least we've had the surprise of who's come third, and then we don't even have that surprise. And you go, the first three places, the people that you'll see on the top step will be what any order of these three Mercedes drivers or these three Red Bull drivers for the last eight seasons. Yeah, please no. do not do three car teams. It will be awful, awful. <laughs> or at least until you can come up with a solution that means that the teams uh, are generally going to arrive on track more or less equal. But they keep on changing the rules in such a way that it's pretty much set up that the what, the team that finds that one key thing that none of the other teams do, like Mercedes did this year and Red Bull did with the Aero and Braun did with the double decker diffuser, that's the team that wins. The team that turns up with it and gets the most points first pretty much wins and uh. there was another row this week about engine development did you catch that oh um ferrari and rebel <laughs> want it unfrozen mercedes no mercedes <laughs> funnily enough <laughs> not all that uh not all that bothered i wonder what honda's position on it is i wonder if they because obviously they've just been developing it, so, yeah, so I guess they, they don't care. Surely they can just develop it however they want because they're coming in brand new. I would assume. I don't. I don't know that I much about that. I don't know that Maybe much they about even, that side of things. But they probably don't even have a say since they don't actually exist at the moment in terms of yeah. Formula One. So, what do you reckon? Uh, Unrestricted development. Or... No, because that gives that gives three teams essentially a massive advantage it gives mercedes works teams a massive advantage it gives the ferrari team a massive advantage and essentially it gives rebel a massive massive advantage because they're the only team that are going to end up sticking with with renault engines and renault are going to spend all of their time doing this infinity stuff and tying it in with the the, the team and stuff so that would just hand those teams a massive advantage essentially mclaren would get it with honda but only for one one season before they open it up because they don't have a team to, to back unless you know they made the, but surely if made Ferrari are developing their engine that's going to benefit whoever, but it depends. whoever's got a Ferrari engine you could say that couldn't you why then you know have the Mercedes, did the Mercedes have the split turbo and none of the other Mercedes teams yeah didn't? no granted, granted. It, it, that's a piece of engine technology that could have been passed on to all of their customers hey actually this is the best way you know you can do this with your engine that's just not going to happen so no, no absolutely um, but then with unrestricted develop no, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's a difficult one. You, your manufacturer teams are always going to do better than yep. than customer teams because they just ultimately have more resource to chuck at it. Uh, and they have it and in a way, that, that all goes outside of development cost, doesn't it? You know, so if Mercedes spend an extra <laughs> 200 billion <laughs> pounds developing a, a better engine, that's Mercedes, the engine manufacturers. That's not the team. Yeah. Whereas McLaren can't afford to spend two billion pounds or if there was a, a, a cap of some kind on on spending costs it, it suddenly you know becomes a gray area doesn't it where which bit is the manufacturing arm for the engines and which is the bit for the team and all those bits and pieces but at the end of the day my view is this they agreed it shut up <laughs> True. so that's pretty much like with all of the the rule agreements once it's pretty much been made wait until the end of the season before you're doing it and if it's something that you've agreed to last two to three years 
then pretty much put up with it. Unless it's actually ruining the sport, which I don't think the engine freeze is. No, no, I don't think so. I think that I think that probably does it for us for this podcast. <laughs> there are lots of other things that we can talk about, and if there's anything you think we really should have covered in this, then uh, get in touch with us. Talk to us and let us know what things you want us to hear us talking about, and we'll make sure, I promise you, 100%, faithfully, hand on heart, that we will get them in the next episode and we will talk about them and raise any points that you want. To get in touch with us... <sighs> There's so many ways, Sean. Did you know that? Did you know how many ways there were to get in contact with us? Four? Three? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I was trying to count it up in my head whilst you were answering. Uh, so, yeah, it's something like that. So, the first way you can get in contact with us, all of our podcast episodes are hosted on www.modernfanatical.co.uk. You can always go there, catch the latest episodes, and leave us a comment on any of the episode links in there, uh, and we will respond to those there. You can catch us on Facebook. Just search out The Last Lap Podcast and uh, give us a big like. We love it when you like the page. And then just leave us a little comment. We always post the episode links there so you can leave us any comments there. Uh, Jim, if you're listening, I can't wait for you to uh, comment on this one and give us something to talk about after our little absenteeism for the last couple of weeks. Um, you can also catch us on Twitter. We have a Twitter handle, which is at Last Lap Podcast. So you can tweet us uh, anything you want us to get covered in the episodes, anything that we've talked about in the episodes, or just chat to us generally about Formula One. We'd love to hear from you um, about your views on the sport that we all love. What else am I missing? Personal. Uh, oh, yeah, personal Twitter. Yeah. You can, you, amazingly, um, we've been allowed to tweet our own thoughts on uh, Twitter, and we haven't been banned yet. Well, I suppose if Katie Hopkins can get away with it, then we well should. Um, <laughs> so, you can <laughs> um, so you can catch me at man called Megs. Sorry. And you can catch me at Fog on the 4th. Hopefully you can catch Sean at Fog on the 4th if he's paying attention. Um, I'm going to change that after uh, winter. So I'm going to think of every season I need a new Twitter handle. So. Oh. Ah, we had a, this was a good I loved it last time when you were thinking of changing it and you kept on telling us you were going to wear for about, yep. about two months you told us you were changing it so you heard it here Fonty he'll maybe, be changing it in March one next year one every season something like that we'll see. <laughs> I've got one in mind though but I'll keep it under wraps for now <laughs> That's, I think they call that a cliffhanger in the biz mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, and also on TuneIn, uh, either of those platforms, you can get that on mobile devices. If you are subscribing to us on iTunes or TuneIn, you can leave us a review uh, or a rating, and we would love you to do that. It really helps us know how well we're doing, um, uh, and it's a great way to you know let us know what you'd like to see in the podcast. So please get in touch, uh, let us know your thoughts, and how long is it to the next race? Is it just... 14, uh, 10 days. It's 14 hours. 10 days, sorry. It's only 10 days to the last race of the season. So yeah, if you've a week got, on Sunday, yeah. If you've got anything that you want us to cover in that podcast, um, make sure you get in contact with us before then. Other than that, thank you very much for listening. My name's Andrew Pearson. My co-host is Sean Gray. And we will see you next time on the Last Lap Podcast. See ya. Cheers. <laughs>